0: I am coming in tired, hot and tired this morning. Let me tell you why. So uh, our mission is to is to make disciples and plant churches. It just That's our mission. We're here to multiply disciples and multiply churches. And I just want to share with you guys. It's okay if I move this. So I'll have to look through the mic for you guys. To you guys. I want to share with you guys on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I got to be as part of something amazing. Um, I get to... Um, get to do a lot of stuff in the church planting world. One of the things I get to do is I get to be a part of assessing church planters. It sounds really cruel, but in the church planting process, I to make sure that they're ready and healthy and called and lots of different things when it comes before they jump in and plant a church. And so I'm on an assessment team for our state convention that does this four times a year. So I travel to Dallas or sometimes here in Houston. And uh, usually we're, we're assessing five to ten families that are planting church Planting a church somewhere in the state of Texas. And so that's kind of the scope of it. So this Thursday and Friday, I traveled Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, I uh, didn't sleep on, on Thursday night because I was writing reports all night long. Uh, we, had, we had so many church planters to assess. It was the largest church planting assessment in the nation in our convention ever. There were 25 families that were assessed to plant <laughs> church. 25 families that are going all, and one to Louisiana. One was going to New Orleans. But 25 families, 16 English speakers and nine Spanish-speaking families that were going, among the English speakers, actually, English for a lot of them were second language. The English was their second language. They were international and going into Dallas and Houston and San Antonio and planting ethnic churches in their own language. It's not coming back tired, but I'm so encouraged that God is at work. God is, God is accomplishing his mission. That is our mission making disciples, and planting churches. So I just want you guys to know, I love to celebrate what God's doing. Sometimes I get to see some things, I'm like, man, God is working. As you all know, God is working. So you watch the news, it's like depression. But no, look past that. God is working mightily. Faithful Dog for Sale read the ad. Someone read the ad, went to the owner said, hey, I saw your ad for the faithful dog. May I ask you a few questions? So the owner said, sure, go ahead, shoot, ask. So he started asking questions. There were three questions specifically. He said, is the dog kid-friendly? yes, the dog is very kid-friendly. What is the dog? Is the dog potty trained? Oh, yes, the dog is very potty trained. He's good in the house. He loves outside. He's just altogether a good dog. He said, cool. Last thing, is he faithful? The owner says, oh, yeah. He is so faithful. He keeps coming back. This is my fifth time to try to sell him. (laughs) Pregnant pause. Okay, here's what I want you to hear. No matter how many times we sell out to God, he keeps coming back to us. Let that settle in. No matter how many times we sell out to God, He remains faithful. He remains faithful. It was 1893 when a 27-year-old man found hope in life through Jesus Christ. That man was a young newspaper, small-town newspaper editor, And when he found Christ, he just had a burden to to be a a full-time minister. And so he went into training, did years of training uh, to be a a pastor. And he became a full-time pastor of a Methodist church. And after a year of being a pastor, his dream job. After a year, he got really sick. And he was no longer able to do that job. And he moved from the state of Kentucky, which is where he was born To New Jersey, and he began to sell insurance. And he plugged into a local church and just served for the remainder of his life in the local church as a volunteer. In the midst of that, this man, God just kept giving him poem after poem, hymn after hymn. He wrote over a thousand hymns of the faith. And just wrote them for himself. Some of those he sent off to publisher to try to get to, to publish. Two of those, only two out of over a thousand were ever published. So mostly just these were just things that God said to him. Uh, and he wrote down and, and never really made it. This man later in life at age 75, he wrote this. My income has not been large at any time due to impaired health in the early years, which was followed, which has followed me until now. Although I must not fail to record the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God, for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. This man's name was Thomas Chisholm. At age 87, he retired from selling insurance, went to a retirement home, and passed away at the healthy age of 94 when he went home to be with the Lord. There's really only one song that he was ever known for. That song was written in 1923. This man never saw fame nor fortune, but this song will resonate with you, I guarantee you. If you've been around church any measure of time, you have heard this song before. He lived an unremarkable life, but chronicled in this song a remarkable God. He did, he did know something about the day-to-day, morning-by-morning morning goodness of God in the everyday things of life. And in that song, he wrote this, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. He gets to the chorus, Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. That leads us to our sound of hope for today. We've said that if you take some really good music, music resonates deep within our soul. When we hear some good music, that good music is different for you than it is for me. But when we hear kind of our heart language of music, whatever that is, I don't know for you if that's rock and roll or country, I don't know what it is. But if you put good music, classical music, I don't know what it is. But when you put some good music that resonates with you, with some timeless truths of scripture, and you sandwich those together, there is something about that that resonates deep within our soul. We call it the sounds of hope. So here's our sound of hope for today. God is faithful. I know it's simple. I've said that already several times. But can you just let that rest? All the implications of those three words for all of us, no matter where we are today, because we all come different today, this hits different for all of us today. God is faithful. That song is based on Lamentations chapter 3. So would you turn with me to Lamentations chapter 3? Lamentations is written by Jeremiah. So a little bit of context. God had, through the prophets in the Old Testament, God had told his people to return back to the Lord or there's going to be some consequences and they refused to turn back to the Lord. And, and because of that, God sent the Babylonians into Judah, specifically into the capital of Judah. All of this was ransacked. Everything was ransacked. All of this was, was the prophet said this would happen if they didn't turn. And sure enough, they came in, they ransacked all of Judah. Israel already been gone at this time, so this is all of the land of Israel at this point. So they came in, they ransacked Judah, and Jerusalem was laid to waste. And the context of this is 586 B.C., Right after the Babylonian invasion, can you just imagine the picture? If you were just to, you know, the, like a, a movie when there's a war. The after effect of war, there's like smoke coming up from the city. And there's like a, I'm sure there was like a smell from all of the fires and no telling what else in the, in the midst of war. Can you just imagine Jeremiah writes Lamentations, which is five poems of woe is me, like grim, dark, crying. Jeremiah is known for the, the weeping prophet. At this point, he certainly is in Lamentations weeping. It's not a, it's not a particularly uplifting book, if you read through the book of Lamentations, because it, it is literally Jeremiah looking out on the landscape of Jerusalem and looking at all that had happened in Jerusalem in sadness in heartbrokenness of the reality of what has happened and the reality of his people and sandwiched in the middle of this book this kind of dirgeous dark hopeless book is a a little glimmer of hope but it's actually not just a little it is a profound glimmer of hope, a remarkable testimony of our sound of hope for today, that God is faithful. Read with me in Lamentations chapter 3. For a little bit of context, I want to start in verse 17. I'm going to read through verse 26. A few of these verses are probably a little familiar to you, but let's uh, read verse 17. So here's where he's at. He's looking over the city, 586 B.C., he says, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. All of it is gone. It is a hopeless situation. The what I see, what I smell, what I'm experiencing right now, it is a hopeless situation. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. Some of you say, wormwood, that is a plant that if you put it in your mouth, was the most bitter thing you could put in your mouth. So what he's saying, like this is the worst and the worst that he's ever felt. And I don't know what that is for you. I, I don't know what that is. But what's the most bitter experience you've ever had in your life? The hardest experience you've ever had in your life? That is what Jeremiah is experiencing in this moment. I well remember them, all these things that are happening. And my soul is downcast within me. And then there's that transition word, yet, in verse 21. Yet this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love. Some of your versions say loving kindness. I think that's a better translation. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So, a question. Have you ever looked out on the landscape of your life and and saw a war zone? (laughs) I think we all... We all have. I think in many ways we all have past three years and COVID. We're like, man, so many things have happened. It is difficult to think about things before the last three years at this point because so much in the last three years has happened. I don't know about you. It it certainly is for me. So I was on my elliptical this morning, er, very early this morning. And you got to know I sweat a lot. I, I, it takes me very little. Sometimes you see, like, I'm, just my, my, I'm up here, and I'm not even doing anything, but my shirt is soaked. And, like, I just sweat a lot. So this morning, there was water coming down onto my elliptical, but not from sweat. I was just weeping. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. I don't know what I was this morning, but I'm, I'm, I'm a weeping man This morning, as I just thought through my last three years, can I be transparent with you? It has been a battle. It's been a war. We are at war. We always are at war. But my last three years have particularly been a battle on top of being a a pastor and pastoring in the COVID years, which it was, it's been hard. It's been hard. Now, God has been so faithful. He's been so good. He continues to do so, so good things. But just to be honest, I talked to a lot of pastors. These have been a really difficult three years uh, for you, and it's been uh, very difficult for pastors. We've had a transition, and we had to f- make decisions on things that we weren't trained to make decisions on. And so we're, like, leaning heavily on Whatever wisdom God's given us in, the, in praying and with the wisdom of the people around us, trying to make a decision and wading through like what's best and what's right and what's safe and what's not. And, and that changes from a moment to moment basis. That part has been difficult. And then in May of 2020, I was diagnosed with cancer. During COVID, I went into my first major surgery in life. I had, I've had surgeries before. like This is the first significant surgery in my life. And, and because of COVID, it was July 8th of 2020. Never forget it. And my wife, in our minivan, in our 2003 Toyota Sienna at the time, took me downtown to the medical center and dropped me off at the door and left me. And if you've had a major surgery in that time frame, You know what that's like. That was tough. And then like moments after that, here's the cool thing. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Here's the cool thing. Our church, just over a year old at that time, our church sent me a picture. And there was a group of people circling around right there in the back parking lot right there. And they were praying for me. And so, a little glimmer of God's faithfulness of his people right there. And they were pray, praying for me. So, I got all my stuff and I had my surgery. Always good. A couple of really difficult days in the hospital because I was alone and I was hyped up on meds and trying to make decisions for myself because I had nobody there to, to help make those decisions. So, no fun, y'all. I'm just saying that is no fun. If you've been in the hospital by yourself, you know uh, what that may be like. On top of that, to deal with all of the healing and then going in through treatments where I became radioactive and had to be alone again, and just some interesting things in life. And then lots of other things, or spiritual, emotional battle and more physical issues over the past three years. It's been like, I feel like, whoa, man, the past three years has been a battleground. It has been a war zone. And I think if you were to look at your life... I mean, I think we all probably could like look out on the landscape of our life and we can identify our own battleground, our own war zone that we are struggling with right now. And here's what I want to do. I want to take this scripture. I want to point out some realities of this scripture for us. Who, me too, who, who we all have our battle. We all have our our war that we, we come with today. I just want to point it out. It comes right out of the scripture. It's so good. God's word is so rich. It always is. But this one, particularly for me, like I, that's why I'm weeping. Like my my I just want you to know, like usually it's sweat, but I was just just for the looking at the faithfulness of God in the midst of the war. I was just weeping, not out of sadness. I was weeping, I wouldn't say gladness. I'm not sure if I'm at that point yet, honestly, where I'm glad over what's happened the past three years. I think one day I'll be there. I'm working on it. But I think I can look back and just uh, a peace, a a reality that, that God, even through all of that, has been on his throne. And he has been working for my good and for his good through it. So three things. The first is this, we find in verse 22. As Jeremiah looks out on all that's going on and, and has happened to his people and to him, we could call it the mayhem. He looks out and he realizes there is mercy in the mayhem. That's the first two blanks. There is mercy in the mayhem. Look at verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, his loving kindness. We are not consumed. Some of your versions say it differently. The New American Standard says, The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. And then the next passage in, in the NIV says, For his compassions never fail. The New American Standard says, For his compassions never fail. The ESV says, His mercies never come to an end. There's two really important words here that I want to point out before I move on. The first is that word for loving kindness. This is, this is the, the, the penultimate word for love in the Old Testament. It is the word hesed. Hesed. It's spelled chesed, but it's pronounced hesed. And it's the, That's the word for God's loving kindness. So what is that? That's a love that remains constant regardless Of the circumstances, that's what that means. It means that this kind of love is never contingent on the person being loved and what that he or she does or deserve. This is a love that remains constant, no matter. What And so what that says when it says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, the ESV says, or the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, or what we're reading out of today, it says, yet I call this to mind because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. What that means for us is it doesn't matter how much we love God. It doesn't matter how, how we behave. It doesn't matter what we do, no matter what that is or what's happening in the world, God is faithful to love us. That's what hesed means. He loves us with an unconditional love that never, ever ends. That's the love that God has for us. It's a hesed love. But there's the second thing, his compassions, or the, the, the ESV says, his mercies never fail. So his love never ends, and his mercies never fail. And that's the idea of of faithfulness. How many times does does someone mess up when that person is completely faithful? It only takes one mess up. And so what he what what God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah is is this mercy, and is that word for mercy is a is a bigger word in the New Testament. We split. Kind of the grace, grace is receiving something that we don't deserve and mercy is not receiving something that we do deserve. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew is a a simpler language. It doesn't have as much vocabulary. All of that is kind of lumped in together. And so anytime scripture uses that word here, it says compassions in the NIV and it's rendered mercy in in other versions. Uh, Sometimes it's rendered goodness, forgiveness. Sometimes it's even rendered faithfulness. But the core is that God, his love never ceases. And his mercy, all the good things that we need from him, they never, ever fail. And so Jeremiah looks out in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the war. And God gives him the ability at that moment. This is the hard thing for me. I can look back now, and I can see, like, God has been so merciful to me. But in the moment, can we? Can you? Jeremiah, God gave Jeremiah, in that moment of the war, at the end of the battle, the war, looking out, and everything was completely devastated everything and this was the beginning of 70 years of captivity for God's chosen people in Babylon so he's not even close to experiencing the rescue side of things he still is able to look out in the moment with God's help God gives him divine eyesight to look past the pain and to see the presence of God in the midst of it that is so hard and that's what I believe that, that God is, is, is recognizing and, and trying to help us to recognize in our lives that the, in, in, the, in the storm, in the mayhem, there is mercy. The second thing is this. As we follow along in verses 23 and 24, our, our outlook depends on our uplook. Our perspective, our outlook depends on our uplook. As we think about what Jeremiah is experiencing. What what triggered the yet that we see there in verse twenty one. What triggered the the yet moment in the midst of of all of that was going on. What triggered this drastic change from this dirgis dark poem to hopeless situation. But now, hey, wait a minute. Yet, but God that we talked about last week. This, this moment. This yet. Yet moment, what triggered that? He stopped looking out at the devastation. And he looked up at a righteous, holy, just, loving, forgiving, merciful, gracious, generous, almighty God. So don't miss this. Don't miss this. That, that's the key. That's the key. Yes, his, his mercies never, never fail. And his love never ends. But we'll never see that when we're looking at others only. We'll never see that when we're looking in ourselves. We must stop and look up at all those things that we sing about, all the promises of God, all the things that's revealed about God in the Scriptures, is to look up. And we'll that will, when we do that, that will be our yet moment. We'll be able to have the perspective to see that there is something greater that is at work. And he's not that way. He is that way. And he is above all. And look what it says there, verse 23. These, this love, this hested love, the, these mercies, these compassions that never fail, and a love that never ends, that's the, that's the quality, so to speak. And then he talks about the frequency that God gives those to us, all right? Look at verse 23. They are new. What's the word? Every morning, every morning, great is your faithfulness they are new every morning i've often wondered why did why did jeremiah say that why did god prompt jeremiah to say that these mercies if it's mercy it's good for all time right why do we need them every day i mean isn't mercy mercy isn't compassion compassion if it's good all the time why do we it? why do we need it new why do we need a fresh mercy why do we need fresh compassions every Morning. Why does God do it this way? Well, I would say it's not because yesterday's mercies were weak or insufficient. It's because they were yesterday's, and today's mercies are tailor made for today's burdens. This is so good, y'all. Don't miss this. We don't know what our burden's going to be today. We don't know what our battle's going to be today, but we do know. And whatever that is, God has a mercy. He has a compassion that's tailor-made to intersect with that burden, that need that we are going to have that day. They are new every morning. They are like the manna in the wilderness. We can't store them. They couldn't store them to the next day. We're not like squirrels where we can bury them. And, and these mercies, I'm, when I need them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find them. We don't have to. We don't have to. We don't need to because yesterday's were tailor-made for yesterday. Today's is, is, it will be sufficient for today. It is God's provision over us. So when the next straw or burden is added, the mercies will be enough and they will be new. Someone once said, you live on God day by day or you don't live on God. When, when, when COVID came these past three years, we said that we were gonna respond in faith and not fear. You see, that, that, this idea of new mercies, we don't have to fear because God, whatever next is, and I have no idea what that is. I can look back on my three years and you can too. Whatever that was, God's mercies were new specifically for that need, whatever that is. And whatever it is tomorrow there's a new one for that too, and the new one for that one the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. And so verse 24 says something really powerful. It says, I say to myself, the Lord. So he's reminding himself that he looked out on this devastation, and then he looks up at the mercies of God, which are new every single morning. This is what he says, the Lord is my portion. And that says two things to us. When, I, when I'm trying to eat right, which is not often these days, but when I am trying to eat right, then, then when I go to Texas Roadhouse, which I like to eat there, I don't get the 11-ounce steak. I get the 6-ounce steak. And I don't love that. <laughs> because I love steak, and I want the 11-ounce steak, right? Like I just had 11-ounce steak at Texas Roadhouse last week. It was so good. It was so good. But when I'm eating right, I get the six-ounce steak. Why? Because that's what my body needs. That's my portion that I need. That's what Jeremiah is saying to himself. I'm looking out, thinking I know what I need, but God is all that I need. He is my portion. But, But there's another meaning. He is all we need. He is, the word is sufficient. He is all that we need. And he's got us. His, new, new, his mercies are new every morning. He's got us no matter what it is. He's got it, and he's got us. He is what we need. But there's another powerful meaning of this. Some of your versions, instead of saying portion, it uses the word inheritance. It's the same word. It's rendered two different ways. But here's the thought. When, when God uh, broke, when he said, hey, I'm going to lead you to the promised land, and for each, each of the different tribes... He he gave like th- these is going to be this is going to be your land. This is going to be your inheritance. When you get to the promised land, this land is going to be yours, right? And so they began. They they left bondage in Egypt and they made this journey, which ended up being lo- longer than it was supposed to, right? Because of their disobedience. But but God was leading them to what the promised land, which was their inheritance. And so when they when this said portion, that's what they see. God has. God is leading us. We're on this journey out of bondage, but God is leading us. He's in the process of leading us to something better. That's what portion means. Yes, he is sufficient. Yes, he is our portion. He is exactly what we need. But listen, hear this. When it says that, you need to hear this, that God is leading you to something better. God is leading you to something better. And it's what we talked about last week. Listen, we're all just passing through. There is something so much better coming for us. God is our portion. He has already prepared a better place for us, a better body for us. I'm going to have hair, y'all. I talked about that last week. I'm going to have hair when I get there. There is a better place and so much better than we could ever comprehend. Missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, had this kind of trust in God's faithfulness that we're talking about. He wrote in his journal, Our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well what his children wake up with a good appetite. He he knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained 3 million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect he will send 3 million missionaries to China. Remember, he's in China. He's a missionary. But if he did... He would have ample means to sustain them all, depend on it. Listen, lean into this phrase, y'all. This was so good to me, so challenging. He says this, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. You see, he's modeling for us what we're trying to say, what we see God saying in verses 23 and 24, that our outlook depends on our uplook. And then as we look at verse 25 and 26, and really all of these verses, there's this idea of waiting. And here's the truth. Delays are not denials. God's delay for us are not denials. And it uses the phrase there, in verse 25 and 26, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good, verse 26, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And I, I'm asking a question to myself. I'll ask of you, is it, is it good, is it really good to wait quietly on the Lord? You answer that for me. How good are you are waiting My response, I'm just being honest, if I've got to wait a long time, my answer to that is no, it ain't. (laughs) I'm a Texan, I can say it that way. Is it good for me and my carnal nature? No, it's not. I want it now. I think I know what I need now. But what Jeremiah is saying is yes, we stink at waiting, but he's saying the best things are worth waiting for. And here's the truth, the best things usually have to be waited for. So when I was young, my parents were separated, ended up being in a divorce, separated for three years, they were fighting like cats and dogs all the time. And I remember at a very early age, I was about 12 years old, that, that uh, I just knew that, that one day I needed a godly wife. I knew that as a 12-year-old. That's a weird thing for a 12-year-old to think, I know. But God just gave me a vision for my life that I, I needed a godly wife. I started looking. I dated a cheerleader. I dated a drill team person. And I went through the, you know, the regular you know, spectrum. But I didn't find what I was looking for. And one day, I met her. I'm not going to tell you a full story because my time is short. But that was eight years later. I waited eight years. And then I had to wait three years to marry her. And I married the love of my life. And let me tell you, she was worth waiting for. When God has something that good, it is worth waiting for. Next month, we celebrate our 20th anniversary. What a grace gift. But I'd have waited years, I'd have waited years, another 10 years, and another 10 years now knowing what the rich gift she is to me. You see, the best things are worth waiting for. Don't you see the truth? Even when we don't see it, God is faithful. Even when we don't deserve it, God is faithful. Even when we don't expect it, God is faithful. The band's going to come up. We're going to have a closing song. As you look out upon the landscape of your life, how do we respond in light of God's text? Maybe we would respond with one of the verses in that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, that we're about to sing, by the way, together. It says this, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. What's it pointing to there? Well, the most clearest way we see God's faithfulness is when Jesus crawled on that cruel cross. He was faithful. All those promises, the 8,000 promises that Blake talked about earlier, so many of those is that God would send a rescuer, a Messiah that is to come. And when Jesus went to that cross, he fulfilled those promises, completely paid in full, all of those promises. And so the hymnist Thomas Chisholm says, Pardon for sin that brings a peace that endureth. A peace that says, This is not my home. There is something better coming. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to God. It's almost as if this, this passage is coming alongside our battle and it says, it's God saying, Cheering us so long, I am faithful and I am sufficient for you. And I am leading you to something better. If you would just wait for it, wait for it. And then it says this, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word, We thank you for your mercies, that when we opened our eyes this morning, they were new and fresh and exactly what we needed today. And so we say, in response to our sound of hope today that you are faithful, we say today, thank you. Thank you for always walking with us when we don't deserve it. Thank you for giving us gifts when we don't deserve it. Thank you for in the midst of our pain even that we can look past it and look up and see your ever faithful loving kind kind presence among us saying I am with you. In that today we rest. In that today We find hope. In Jesus' name we pray.